welcome to another episode of That's Rap Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jay Rosales, and we are recording this on Friday evening. That's December the 4th. Yes, the same day that the NBA has released a schedule and we have come to the conclusion that the Raptors have a 37-game road trip to kick off the season. Guys, how you feeling? Uh, well, for me, it's like when Breaking Bad and some of the other shows split their final season in half. Not that this is the final season of the Raptors, but you're kind of like, okay, but where's the rest? I kind of want to see the rest. I want to know what's left. This is this is pretty good so far, but all right. But otherwise, yeah, yeah. the the Tampa Bay Raptors have uh, quite an interesting schedule. I can't wait to see that. My still does that. not sit well with me, man. I cannot. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I I don't care if everyone says it. I I cannot get comfortable saying that at all. <laughs> they both start with the I team. Mean, especially yeah. those uh, those jerseys that was released with like the Raptor in in swim trunks and like a surfer dude. No with, like, man, I cannot. I cannot. Unbelievable. Well, all right. Well, there you have it. We have we finally have a schedule. We got the December twenty third date uh, against New Orleans for your Toronto Raptors. Hello, everybody. It is this is that's a wrap a podcast by fans for fans and yet we're about to talk some basketball and some Raptors. But okay, I just got to break something down for you guys. You know that I mean you know I'm sure you guys know that LeBron James. Congratulations to him. He signed a two year extension with the LA Lakers. Honestly, it would be more congratulating to the Lakers, but he was he extended two years, eighty five point seven million dollars, which is, you know. Uh, to me, I, I, I well deserves, and honestly, he probably deserves more. But the breakdown of it is incredible. So I was listening to uh, Eric Smith today on on I think the Smith and Jones show on five ninety, and he broke down, uh, quoting someone else, some other tweet, but he broke down the two years, eighty five point seven million. So in in a year, I guess he roughly makes forty two, right, forty two point something million dollars in a month. LeBron James makes $3.57 million. In a day, LeBron James roughly makes $117,000. In an hour, LeBron James makes $5K. In a minute, he makes $82. And per second, he makes $1.36. Jeez. Well, <laughs> thanks. Thanks so much. Damn. Good. Lo- I mean, that's a kid from Akron, man. That's amazing. Good for him. That's insane. Let's let's not uh, <laughs> compare salaries here, but I just wanted to point that out that LeBron James and and to think that that's his side gig. Let's think about it that way. That's Basketball, true. like on the in the NBA, the NBA is a side gig. His real contract and his real money comes from like the sponsorships and Nike and everything like that. So imagine just having a eh, cool forty two million dollars a year. Damn man, he can own Hollywood right now. Well, at, it's funny you bring up that number of forty two million because. Oh, actually, the the entire contract total being eighty five, right? That's approximately how much that John Wall and Russell Westbrook make combined this season. And wouldn't you know it, they just got traded for each other. Yes, they did. How how are we feeling about this? Okay, so so the breakdown of the deal uh, is uh, the Wizards are going to trade John Wall and a protected, I think it's lottery protected first round pick in twenty twenty three to the Rockets. For Russell Westbrook, he was now Russell Eastbrook. How are we (laughs) feeling about this, guys? Dre, how do you feel about this trade? Uh, Well, it's uh, God. Okay, so I'm trying to think of a good analogy here. Um, 
but kind of like this trade, I've got nothing. I'm just useless. Like there's just nothing <laughs> that I think either team has won. So Houston now has a guy who's been out for two years. He might be coming out in, in top form. Who knows? But he's got injury problems. He's got a history. I don't know so much. Plus, isn't he kind of the ISO guy as well? Isn't that type the type of thing that James Harden does not do well with? Then you've got the Wizards, where Westbrook also has to be the ISO guy. He's kind of like his own James Harden. Is he going to work well with Bradley Beal, who has been like single-handedly carrying this team on his back? In all honesty, this, to me, just seems like you traded X player for X player with different attributes. It's the exact same thing. It's not going to go well. The only thing that I see that's positive is that first round pick. That's it. Otherwise, this is kind of useless, to be honest. And it's it's fairly, it's heavily protected too. So in 2023, if that lottery pick is not conveyed, which it probably won't be because they're going to be a lottery team, uh, it'll go to the next year as a top 10, I think, protected. And then it'll get conveyed again as a top eight. And then at that point, they wouldn't have given it up, which means it just kind of ends up as two second round picks. So the picks may not be that relevant, um, but it did help in terms of like enticing the Rockets to take on Wall here. So uh, yeah, Dr- Jason, what, what do you think about this trade? Uh, in basketball sense, basketball sense, I think the Wizards probably won that trade just because like John Wall hasn't played for two years. You know what I mean? Like if if the Rockets get like maybe, I don't know, 75%, 80% of what John Wall uh, has been, I think that's a win for sure. But right now, I mean, again, who knows what uh, John Wall is going to be after injury, after coming back from injury for, for a hell of a long time. I believe in the last like two years or or three years, he was only played 72 games, something like that, some weird statistics like that. So as a basketball sense right now, clearly uh, the Wizards won this trade. I mean, Westbrook... It, it, yeah, he he'll probably lose a couple of games for you. Uh, arguably, he could probably lose a playoff uh, series for you, and he's going to be sporadic at times. But Westbrook is still like a top twenty player in the league. It's it's it. This is what fantasy trade is all about. Do you like this guy? Do you like this guy? Sure, let's swap it. Let's also assume that the Wizards even make the playoffs for Westbrook to lose. That's that's true. That's true. But it, I just feel like. Having Westbrook and Bradley Beal together, it's clear that Bradley Beal couldn't do it by himself. So having Westbrook there, I mean, it could change. Having uh, John Wall there, who's a better shooter than Westbrook for, for James Harden, it could change. At this point, it's like really the biggest fantasy trade ever. It's like Jay or Dre, you guys are swapping your top players. That's all it is. You can't say at this moment who win or who lost. Just it's because like only time will tell. This is one of those trades that literally time will tell who won this trade. I think that you you both kind of hit on the head in terms of like who who actually came out the winner of this trade. But I mean, let's let's add more context to that, right? Like let's picture Westbrook. You know, he's. Still got a mean first step and can get by his man. And when he's barreling down the lane, that is something that no one wants to face. Even uh, I would suggest yeah. Kyle, he, he, when he's barreling down the lane, I think even Kyle Lowry is afraid to take that charge. But yeah. imagine for a second, Westbrook's sped by his man. He's barreling down the lane. Someone comes in his way. He's got four shooters he can choose to throw it out to, right? Bertans is re-signed. He's got Beal. He's got a, a plethora of shooters to, to choose from. 
I think that this marriage could actually work. And I think that, you know, while we joke about whether or not the Wizards are a playoff team, you know, outside of that top six, you know, seven and eight's up for grabs. And it's not like the Charlotte Hornets or the Orlando Magic are really, you know, blowing my skirt up here. So I would say that, you know, the Wizards are probably going to be playoff bound. And that's fair. I, I agree that maybe they aren't, uh, maybe Westbrook isn't the leader you want or the leader you can trust to take you past the first round, but a, a playoff a return after last year's debacle in the bubble is, is better than nothing. So I think that the Wizards made yeah. out pretty good here mm-hmm. um, as it pertains to the Rockets. Cause I think making the case that the Wizards won this is seems to have been fairly easy for the three of us trying to make a case for how the Rockets benefit from this is a bit tougher. The only thing I can think of is that, you know, we see we've seen it in this past year with the um, uh, I guess the the uniting of of D'Angelo Russell and Cat in Minnesota is is this yep. brothers getting together? You know, like former mm-hmm. teammates or guys who are good friends getting together. And, I know where this is going. I, and and I wonder, right? Like with with Demarcus Cousins now signing with the Rockets, is the former. Kentucky Wildcat duo is this the, the the brotherhood that could possibly help Harden's team kind of get over the edge I personally I doubt it but you, you kind of see where I'm going here Dre do you agree with that or, or are you nah it's Con- not gonna work considering how DeMarcus Cousins is a shell of a shell of a shell of his former self um the only thing I can see is positive chemistry, which might be stymied by James Harden, which I don't mean to play this card because James Harden's a good player. But the guy has been with Dwight. He's been with CP3. He's been with Mellow. He's been with with um, too many players that just, it doesn't work. And with too many coaches and, and higher-ups, it, it just doesn't work. So potentially he is toxic. He might be the problem. So with that, does chemistry even matter? If the main guy, and let's be honest, it is better if John Wall isn't the star of the team, which that's like the only cool dynamic that I like. He's the next in line. And I think as the next in line, he's frighteningly good when in peak form. But again, the chemistry of a team that was basically blown up before the season even started. You know, you have the small ball lineup from last year. It's just crap. D'Antoni's gone. Harden wanted to leave, but he didn't. His stuff's not really okay, and I don't know if the Kentucky Brotherhood is going to really save that outside of those two guys wanting to play together. They've got a lot of fixing they got to do in a team that could easily go to rebuild mode next year if Harden gets his wish and he leaves, or everything just goes crazy because this is the result of a dozen failed experiments, and they basically need it to work, but I don't know if it will. Mm-hmm. Coming from Daryl Morey praising James Harden, saying that he changed my life, to now James Harden actually asking for a trade. This begs the question, and I want to ask you guys, is he gone and where is he going? Ooh, I love that question. Thought about it a little bit, not a whole lot, but I'm going to say that I think he's on his way out. I think this yeah, is just I agree. the first of, well, this is not the first domino, but the domino's already in place. I think that, you know, what's probably going to happen is at, at the very least, they will start the season 
he will start the season on, on on the Rockets. But as it progresses, as other teams in the West continue to rise and the Rockets continue to fall, uh, I think by the trade deadline, we're going to hear a lot of rumblings of of him reuniting with Durant in Brooklyn. That's just a that's just a guess. I don't know though. Like that could actually happen. I just don't know if that's actually a good idea. If he goes to the two projected teams are the Sixers and Brooklyn. And I feel like that's going to throw a wrench in both teams. You know, it looks like a super team, but that's not going to work out with Brooklyn because you've got Kyrie and you've got Harden. I don't know. That doesn't sit well with me. And on the Sixers, you have Embiid and Harden and Simmons. That doesn't sit well with me either. The guy needs a new team, but he needs to be the alpha in the way that CP3 was with OKC, he needs to be clearly the head honcho, w- surrounded by great players that aren't necessarily of the same caliber or of the same play style where they want to be ball dominant. I mean, that could easily happen. I just don't know if it's the greatest idea, and I could easily be eating my words. But if it is between those two projected teams, I'm guessing it's going to be Brooklyn. I'm not. I'm not going to take credit for this one, but I, I heard this from Arash Badani on on Sportsnet 590, and he came up with this. So, how much was James Harden making this year? It's a. Uh, it's probably around the forty-two million dollar range, right? Yep. So, if you look at someone like Golden State, you have mm-hmm. Andrew Wiggins, who is getting paid twenty-nine million dollars right now, Kelly Oubre, who is getting paid fourteen million dollars right now. That adds up to about forty-three million. And they also have next year's first-round draft pick. Package that together for James Harden. I can see that going ha- happening too. Would that yeah, work could... well with Steph, though? Oh, that the fact that Clay Thompson is out for the season. I mean, that's now true. Steph basically has another shooter that's not Clay Thompson until he comes back. And then I don't know how it's going to happen for, for later. Like if you have Steph that has making $45 million a year and then Clay making around the $40 million too, uh, then that's not going to happen. But like you know, if you if you take away some of the beer contract, like Andrew Wiggins off the books, it could I could see a Golden State hardened marriage happening. It is it less happen. congested than those other two teams. I'll tell you that. So I have another potential for you because okay. Okay. I'm going to stir the pot here, and this is totally uh, just me having way too much time on my hands. But imagine, <laughs> imagine um, Giannis. He signs his Supermax, gives every indication he's not leaving. Imagine the Rockets start off slow and start hunting for trade partners. Imagine the Raptors starting off really Mm. poorly. Pascal Siakam and Norm Powell equals James Harden. Just throwing it out there. Okay, Raptor fans. The thinking behind that is just the Giannis sweepstakes are over. You know, Kawhi follows suit with Paul Jordan, says, I want to retire a Clipper. (laughs) And all of a sudden, next summer doesn't sound so sexy. James Harden's available. You know what? Let's just flip the script and run with a James Harden, Fred Van Vliet backcourt. Guess what, though? (laughs) In the past, with some of our great Raptors teams that we've had this last decade, we had DeRozan, who's gone. We had Kawhi, who's gone. ISO heavy players might need to fill the spot. That's and and I should I should add like uh, Chris Finch, the new assistant coach of the Raptors, is credited with 
turning around Houston's offense to what it is today. So there is a tad bit of history there with Finch and Harden and the team he is coming from. But I have Listen, spoken if, too much about this hypothetical, horrible trade. If, if any of these hypotheticals actually happen, I will personally cut the the trade that happened that we had foreseen in the in the future and i will highlight it and, and oh absolutely it. oh we should just well, do well, a, a, two hours of just fake trades and whatever happens it's like yeah. <laughs> jay stradamus had it yeah 100 <laughs> percent. it's like those yearbook quotes where it's like oh he predicted and i was like yeah you know how many people do these you know he's wrong <laughs> like, Dre, you're still you still written down as rich and famous. I'm I'm banking on you, bro. <laughs> Which I still have not <laughs> completed. So yeah, clearly that was a lie. But anyway, okay. So speaking about the Clippers and 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 Kawhi, basically like texting Serge and Facetiming, hey, you coming or not? What did you guys think about Serge's comments about never even thinking about leaving Toronto uh, on his Clippers media availability? He was like, even before free agency started. I never thought I would leave the Raptors. But at the end of the day, maybe it was time for me and for the Raptors. Like, does in all indication to me, I feel like the Raptors had something for him that he just didn't want. He probably wanted to stay. Well, I mean, he took the longer term deal, right? He took the two years. And I feel like the Raptors probably gave him the one deal and he wasn't looking for that. So what what do you guys think? Like, was there a little bit of a miscommunication there? Or do you think that the, the Masai and Bobby did the right thing? Well, I think we're, and we've discussed this a lot, we're waiting to see what happens next year. And this is clearly, clearly not the year that we win a championship. Now, somebody like Serge Ibaka loves confrontation, loves a challenge, and he usually rises to the top. You see a team like the Clippers, which underachieved, is basically on the verge of blowing up, despite being the projected favorites of last year. With his boy Kawhi, I don't know. To me, that seems like something that Serge would be like, I never considered this, but that's pretty interesting. It gives him some mm. new life. He gets to be a veteran presence. To Well, I, th- I think there's a couple things that came out of that that Serge part. But let me first answer your question, Jason. And I think that... that- there's definitely was a sense of miscommunication. Um, you know, Raptors fans and and the media all had some pretty pretty close guesses, I would say, in terms of what Surge would be getting. Right? You're definitely only going to get a a one ter- one year deal. It's probably going to be slightly inflated to keep you here, something in the ballpark of twelve million, whereby twelve to fifteen million, whereby you would be getting only ten million, but you'd be getting two years to be with the Clippers. So I don't think that he should have been surprised if Masai showed up at his doorstep and said, Hey, here's your one year, twelve million dollar deal that we can offer you. Um so if that is still shocking to him, then I, I don't know what else, what other signs he was looking for because I, I don't think that that uh, un- unless Masai showed up to his doorstep and said, "Hey, here's a one year, five million dollar deal. That's all we can give you." Then I can see Serge being upset. But all indications are that you know Masai gave a one year inflated deal to at least one of, if not both, of Gasol and Ibaka. So I think there was some miscommunication there. And this is a total yeah. tangent to this. But another thing that this indicates to me is it further confirms to me that the narrative that people don't want to play in Toronto is dead. And I I think that we saw that last year 
with Kawhi seriously considering it. But at the end of the day, he just wanted to play back at home in LA. So that's not a, I don't want to play in Toronto thing. That's more of a, I want to play at home thing. And what happened about five seconds after he announced that, Danny Green announces he's leaving. Again, this is not because he wanted to leave Toronto. He was just going to follow suit in terms of whatever direction Kawhi went. So that's why he held out, right? He if, if Kawhi said, I'm coming back to Toronto, Danny was ready to come back to Toronto. And then now we're hearing from Serge, I really, really didn't want to leave. I mean, can we like can we kill that narrative? Because I think it's dead. Yeah. I, and and again, we we said this before, right? Like uh Damar resigned. Kyle resigned. Freddie resigned. People who uh didn't resign, Serge, Mark, in both indications, they both wanted to stay with Toronto. They they both loved Toronto, and that, again, yeah, that narrative that narrative is dead. It is that you know ship has sailed, and we can forget about it. So, I think it it kind of it sucks to hear from from Serge that he never wanted like he never wanted to leave a Raptor. But at the same time, like if you're in the runnings for a ring with one of the best players in the game right now, who is a friend of yours, go for it, Serge. So I also really liked what Siakam said as well. He even said in his uh, media availability that he also thought that at least one, either Serge or Mark was going to stay. So even he was surprised. So just the just the thought that the Raptors front office is so tight-lipped that not even the the players know is is pretty remarkable. Thinking back to like all the rumors beforehand, uh, before like Masai and Bobby took over, uh, took over the Raptors. So speaking of Siakam though, I wanted to ask your, your guys thoughts about his remarks about uh, in the bubble. Like, what did you guys think about his, his remarks? Oh, you're talking about those. I thought you meant what about the 2019 championship Raptor as well. You can, uh, you can comment on that too, if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll do both. So for context, he was asked about the bubble and he basically said, nobody is more upset than I am. Like, anybody and everybody has every right to kind of be upset with me, but none of you feel the way that I do, that I'm the most upset with how I performed. So there's that. And then there's the the interview where he was asked about, the question didn't even get finished. The interviewer was asking about the surprise win of the, of the championship Raptors team. And before he could even finish the question, Pascal's like, surprise, what does that even mean? So between those two separate interviews, Pascal's got a chip on his shoulder. This guy yeah. is a guy who's been training. And we, we've heard through the grapevine that he's been training ever since. This guy is determined. This guy, I think we're going to see a big resurgence in his game. Potentially better than he was before he started to go downhill. I'm excited because clearly he didn't just kind of let it roll off his back like water on a duck's back. He wanted to basically prove to himself and to everybody that that was not him. That was a very different Pascal. And now that, the whole, you know, he's hearing the Raptors being um, undermined like they usually are, I think that's extra incentive to be like, I'm a Raptor. This team is always underrated. Currently, I am too when I was previously most approved player, you know, all-star, second all-NBA, and that was my playoff performance. No, not happening. I got to kill it. And I, I, I foresee good things out of the feistiness and mm-hmm. the hum- the humility that we've seen through Pascal Siakam in the last week. 
I actually got a different impression out of that presser. Okay. And I, I, a lot of that stems from a recent article by by Eric Kareen of The Athletic talking about how if you take a look at Pascal Siakam's face, take a look at his face when he's playing outside of the bubble versus inside the bubble. There's one thing that was missing, and that was a smile. Mm, there wasn't yeah. that joy. There wasn't that, you know, happy-go-lucky, I'm just going to have fun here. That wasn't happening inside the bubble. And there were quite a few circumstances leading to that, whether it be the Black Lives Movement, whether it be just being away from from home, uh, just the overall atmosphere inside the bubble, how it was affecting him, even from a mental standpoint, that, that joy just wasn't there. And what, what Eric Kareen said is that the anticipation here is that that joy is going to come back. You know, Siakam mentioned a couple of times how he just wants to go out there and have fun. And that's what I'm looking forward to this season. Yes, he, absolutely. I agree with you, Dre. He's go, he's working his butt off. He's he's there at the Rico Hines courts and, and, and you know, practicing against Kevin Durant alongside uh, Paul Watson Jr. and just, just working hard. And I anticipate he's going to come back better. But I also anticipate that he's going to have a smile on his face. He's going to enjoy the game. And that when you're that loose, then it, then basketball becomes a lot easier. You're not tense. And you could see that in the bubble, right? You could see him, you know, short-arming some, some three-point shots. You could see him not executing his spin move as fluidly as he's used to. So he's going to go out there, have fun. And I anticipate also a good bounce-back season for, for Pascal. He even went as far as saying, I didn't recognize myself, someone who's having fun, and he never wants to play the game without joy. The thing about I like about Siakam, and, and you know, to a certain extent, this entire team is that everyone is very straightforward with how they are feeling. And I and I feel like that is such a huge step when it comes to like this whole thing about, oh, these guys are are athletes and they're getting paid a whole bunch of money and, and you know, just go and, and play a game. Right. But at the end of the day, these guys are normal human beings like everyone else. There is a still pandemic that they have to deal with as well. They're being away from the family, you know, eight months out of the 12. And to him and to us as well, it's like he wasn't in the place uh, physically and mentally. How many people right now feel the same way? But it's because he's an athlete that he can't feel that way. No. And so the fact that he's even recognizing that you know what I, I I didn't recognize myself I and I wanted to play like I'm having fun because he loves the game he loves to play with joy, uh that that speaks volumes when it comes to Siakam, uh his his personality and and how he carries himself because he's not afraid to say that that wasn't me and I didn't like what in the bubble it was hard for himself and I'm sure it was hard for many other players and I'm just glad that we're in a position. That someone like Siak, who is an all-star, who was a second-team NBA, is going out and saying that uh, I didn't feel physically and mentally ready. That's a big, big step in Siak for Siakim's future. And I, as you know, a 26-year-old kid, he's still a kid thinking of in that way. I'm glad that uh, he's showing that humility. Uh, and and I hope that he, yeah, like you said, Dre and Jay, I hope he does take that and finds a joy in it again. Because right now, it's still a scary time for everybody. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I think that you know, as we prepare for for the season, you know, we we can look forward to a a, a refreshed Pascal Siakam, a retooled 
Raptors team. And then we can look forward to this schedule, which we'll be speaking about after this break. Yes, sir, Jay. All right. So now that we're going, now that we finally have an actual schedule, at least half the schedule, we're going to talk about our favorite games or our, uh, I guess, TV guide games, if you will, coming up after this break. Talk to you guys soon. the schedule reveals that was certainly the worst i did not get a single iota of information out of that that was probably i, I was gonna say washington's but there was this really good so i'm just gonna say it was uh charlotte's terrible terrible schedule reveal anyway <laughs> let's talk about good schedule reveals we got our own with the raptors yes we do I... yes we do and you know they're you know i kind of joked about it off the top when I said that the Raptors are continuing a 37-game road trip. But in actuality, the Raptors have their temporary home in Tampa. And even within the first half of the schedule with only 37 games released, we've managed to find a ton of good games to look out for. And you know, just to give some additional context to this, um, we each chose three of our favorite must-watch games, our, our TV guide games, as, as Jason likes to say. Uh, before we, we step into there... I don't I, even have TV guides anymore. I don't think I don't. so. I, I feel like <laughs> i got to explain what a TV guide is to some of the, the listeners. I'm not sure. How yeah. could you take okay, my kid. TV guide? <laughs> Speaking of... Blockbuster. There's a place called Blockbuster. Will you rent it out VCRs? <laughs> oh, God. Don't make it. VHS is movies. Did you see when they went to the recent rookies and they asked them about 90s stuff and they didn't know who like NSYNC was or Destiny's Child? Or <laughs> whatever every year, I think, right? I know, yeah. but God, nobody did that one make me feel has, ancient? Nobody who's like 16 or younger knows what a floppy disk is. That's no, fine, but NSYNC? Like, come on. Yeah, How do you not Justin know Timberlake is still relevant. I know, like, come on. <laughs> Beyonce with Destiny's Child, sure. I don't know. Okay, I actually, uh, no, before I, we jump into the favorite games, I do have just a couple of really super quick uh, schedule quirks that I've, I've kind of pulled out here. Um, right. Because Toronto's, or the Raptors' home is now Tampa, within the first month and a half, so like before February, the Raptors only visit a cold city three times. I know that sounds really quite random, but if you consider... <laughs> Toronto's home is obviously very cold in December and January. I'm taking a look at the schedule. They have a, an entire like West Coast road trip. They're going to Texas. I'm like, they're not actually going to that many cold cities. So in total, there is 
December 29th against the Sixers, January 2 in New Orleans, and January 24-25 in Indiana. Otherwise, they're in California, they're in Texas, and then they're in Tampa Bay for the home game. So kind of an interesting little scheduling quirk there, to the benefit of the Raptors, of course. But I love how, like, New Orleans is, like, the antithesis. Like, that's cold. It's like, no. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, relatively (laughs) speaking. (laughs) I guess compared to California, yeah, it's freezing. And, uh, you know, one of the the concerns heading into the schedule release was that there was going to be a lot of back-to-backs. And the Raptors kind of got away with a a fairly light back-to-back schedule. So, in total, they have five back-to-backs in this first half. But really, two of them aren't that bad. There is a uh, back-to-back January 10 and 11. That's between flying from Golden State to Portland. There's a back-to-back January 24 and 25. Both of those are Indiana, so there's zero travel there. Then there is a back-to-back from February 5th to 6th. That's from Brooklyn to Atlanta. February 18th to 19th, it is from Milwaukee to Minnesota. And then February 23rd, 24th, it is a home game against Philly, followed by a a really short trip over to Miami. So I think all in all, I think you've only got three really, truly back-to-back games where you're actually having to fly, but that's not that bad. Um, And then the final little schedule quirk is that um, the, if you consider the four top teams in the East are the Celtics, the Sixers, the Bucks and the Heat, sorry, Nets, you've been left out. But if you consider those four teams to be the top four East rivals, the Raptors play all of their games against all of them in the first half. So in the second half, they never see any of these four teams again until possibly the playoffs. So kind of cool to get those games out of the way um, and see what a playoff like atmosphere is like earlier on in the season. But that's enough. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Well, what's up? Regardless of of it, I I just feel like, you know, depending on what the second half of the season schedule looks like, this still is a what? 72 game road trip. So yeah. <laughs> it, it it's gonna it's gonna suck regardless because they're not in Toronto. Honestly, as as a fan, and I, we would love to have the Raptors in our city, but we understand the circumstances of what you know COVID is. It, I feel more bad. Uh, I feel worse for the players and as well as the coaching staff and everybody around the Raptors because you know what are they where are they staying? Are they staying like Airbnbs for like uh, three months or are they just like like plopping in a hotel for like what they did in the bubble? I guess. Yeah, that's gonna be difficult because because it's not like the bubble. Like there's there's the protocols aren't as tight, right? So then right. the possible exposure is there. So it's very very difficult for these guys. They're looking for like long term rentals here, right? Um, yeah. Uh, so it's it's gonna be very difficult. But you know, having said that, you know, we've there still are a lot of games to look forward to here, and I'm gonna go through this chronologically. And the first one we have is actually one of Dre's picks, December 29th visiting philadelphia dre why did you choose that as a philly fan i i follow their social media and they've been champing at the bit to dethrone the raptors ever since the shot and last year seemed like it was going to be that time you know you got al horford you made some changes this was gonna be it it was not they fell completely flat and a lot of the biggest problems that weren't already very apparent, got exposed to the world. Incompetent coaching, terrible managing, um, a lack of chemistry, terrible contracts, but all of that has been fixed. And now you got a team that was lacking in shooters. They've got Danny Green. And they've got 
Seth Curry, for God's sake. <laughs> like, you know, this is incredible. And then we, we still need a big, we still need a defense. How about Dwight Howard as a backup? So you've got a new coach. Not saying that Doc Rivers is amazing, but he's better than Brett Brown. You've got some life breathed into the organization. And guess what? They're going to be facing a Raptors that's trying to figure out their newest lineup. That's pretty big. This could be their chance to be like, hey, no more is Gasol living rent-free in Embiid's head as a Raptor. We got this lineup. They're seeking blood. And this could be their way of showing it as early as one of their first games. I think it's going to be a hell of a matchup. Yeah, I I love everything you said about that. It's definitely one. I mean, it's only the third game of the season, and it's already a marquee matchup. Um, and then, you know, only a couple days later, the Raptors have another very difficult in-division or inter-division rival. On January 4th, they are home to the Boston Celtics. Jay, why did you choose that game? Wait, you didn't choose New York on December 31st? <laughs> <laughs> no, for I mean, okay, the Boston Celtics, you know how it is. They were the ones who dethroned us. We were the ones we were still reigning champions by that time on Game Seven, and while clock the clock ran out, the Boston Celtics went on to go on to the conference finals to face Miami, who ultimately they ultimately lost to. But at the end of the day, it it wasn't Toronto, and it's it, the feeling still stands in in Raptors. I guess Raptors lore. We're still we're still uh, upset about how we went out, but you know this is a new year. This is a new time, and I can't wait to face the team that eliminated us from the bubble. So bring it on, Boston. Let's go another year, man. Yeah, and and I'm already imagining Jason Tatum driving down the lane, and there's just going to be a double block from Bembry and OGN and Obi. It's just going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can't wait to see yeah. that. And and also, didn't uh, Aaron Baines also play for Boston too? Not last year, but before so they probably he probably knows like some of the schemes there is a very big theme with the first game that each of us choose and that theme is aaron baines uh against philadelphia uh sorry against Embiid, he actually has a good track record of shutting him down so while dre correctly points out that gasol is no longer here now Embiid has to deal with another one who's who's given him a hard time in aaron baines and of course jason you also mentioned the his history with the celtics and i'm about to mention my first choice which is two days later in phoenix and that is the baines bowl aaron baines (laughs) facing off with his old team the phoenix suns and the raptors get a first look at the new look lineup with cp3 and Devin Booker, that backcourt is just going to cause terror throughout the league. And, you know, the, if we remember, this is the team that finished the bubble perfect. And, you know, I I would say it's because they didn't face the Raptors, who were also just as solid, at least in the regular season portion of the bubble. But anyways, I think that this is going to be an awesome matchup. It kicks off a four-game road trip for the Raptors. And yeah, just to see Aaron Baines face off his old buddies and and see the Baines fan club Twitter handle just go absolutely bonkers for for several days straight. It, it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's why I chose the Phoenix Suns. Uh and I feel I feel like player fan uh player fandom is so much better than team fandom. Oh so yeah. More, because cuz there's, there's no like 
loyalty to to any team. It's just loyalty to to the player. I love it, man. Yeah. And the uh, the fourth game that we're going to choose here, and actually my second is the next one up, and it's kind of an odd one. It's January fourteenth, home to Charlotte. Now, why, why, why would I choose Charlotte? Um, and you no. finally want to watch Lavar and Jordan play? No, that's that's that's. <laughs> That's the go-to answer. It's got to be LaMelo. No, it is not LaMelo or LaVar or really anything related to the players on that team. I think what what doesn't sit well with me is that Charlotte is the last team, at least playing in these first 37 games, the last team A to face the Raptors at Scotiabank Arena, but also B, the last team to defeat the Raptors that wasn't the Boston Celtics. So you got to go all the way back to February 20-something, 28th, I think, um, when the Raptors lost a a three-point close defeat at home. And again, our last home game. I don't want that to be my last memory of the Raptors at Scotiabank Arena, a loss to the damn Hornets. So (laughs) from a personal level, I'd love to see the Raptors thrash all $30 million a year of Gordon Hayward and the well, Charlotte this, Hornets. This year, 40, if you think. Oh, right. That's right. If we think about how much Batum costs to wave him. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. So January 14th against the Hornets, uh, kind of my silly pick there. Uh, but a not so silly pick is the next one. And four days later, after a home and home, or I guess a, a trip staying home when, in, in a back-to-back against the Hornets, the, the Raptors stay home and they get a visit from the Dallas Mavericks on January 18th. Dre, there's got to be a bunch of reasons why you chose Dallas. Well, a bunch maybe, but there's one main one. And that's Luka Doncic, who was just shy of being a part of heavily being involved with the uh, MVP con- conversation last year. I honestly think in his third year with the the crazy trajectory he's had the team that he has backing him they're all clicking they're all firing on all cylinders and they're a hell of a team and they didn't do too many major changes um to like their core outside of you know losing somebody like seth curry which sucks but um otherwise they have a hell of a lineup and you've got a kid who's not even reached his prime yet, who I'm I'm predicting it now, might not be MVP, but he's going to make sure that he's a part of that conversation. He could easily be nominated this year for MVP. And this is going to be his first, not even superstar, his supernova year. Because we know this guy is going to be like one of the greats of our time. And this is going to be an early sign of it. And it's going to be really rough. You know, the only advantage we have is Chris Saps, I believe, will be out still. No, I, I can foresee this being a crazy game, and I could foresee this being a great year for Luca overall. And whether you're a Dallas fan or a Raptors fan, any game with Luca is one to watch. So whatever team he's, he's facing, if the opposition is your team, I would highly recommend checking it out because at least glimpses of this, I think there's going to be something special with this game this year. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. He's definitely an MVP favorite, I would even venture to say, or at least a top three candidate, um, but someone who is the reigning MVP 
is the next game that we're going to be talking about here, and that is Jason's choice. He has chosen the next game on, well, not necessarily the next game on the schedule, but the next one that we're looking forward to, that's January 27th, a home game against the Milwaukee Bucks. Jason, why would you possibly choose the Milwaukee Bucks? Well, Raptor fans, that's a rat fans, do me a favor. Go back to the last episode where Jay basically reams out the Milwaukee Bucks and gives you a detail by detail of why the Milwaukee Bucks have screwed up this Giannis uh, facto of free agency. And this is why I picked January 27, just because of what everything that you said. I want to see it play out on this game. I want to know uh, how what Masai is going to do. I want to know the rumors, everything that goes into will Will Giannis stay? Will Giannis go to Toronto? Will Giannis even go to Miami or or Golden State or wherever it is? Hopefully it's Toronto. That's the game I'm waiting for right there, January 27th. No arguments here, obviously. And I think we're going to, there's a theme here. I mean, we've gone, we've talked about two consecutive MVP candidates, but the next one is also another MVP, a former MVP and former finals MVP. And we finally get to see him play after missing, oh, I don't know, almost two years. Last time he was on the court was against the Raptors. We're going to be talking about Kevin Durant next. And a trip to Brooklyn on February the 5th. Jason, uh, talk us through this, man. This is a big one. Why why did you choose the Nets? Everything you just said. I mean, I know that uh, before the break, Dre also also said that you know there might be a possibility of James Harden even going to Brooklyn. The just the the thought about Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and possibly James Harden trying to uh, pass the ball around to each other that it, it doesn't make any sense to me. So uh, it's going to be very very interesting to see what Brooklyn and who Brooklyn are by the time you know a quarter of the schedule goes through. Are they going to know their identity? Is is KD going to be back to his KD self? But uh, pre-injury is Kyrie going to be back to his Cleveland days and will they coincide with each other so that drama right there is already worth of admission man so hit me up February 5th at at Brooklyn nice nice Uh, good choice there and uh, a few days later on Valentine's Day no less it is the apple of Dre's eye. It is the <laughs> Minnesota Timberwolves and a home date with uh, D'Angelo Russell, Ricky Rubio, Cat, uh, Dre. Why did you choose the Timberwolves and February 14th as your third and final game to watch? Valentine's Day with Minnesota, man. Uh, well, uh, I'm going to lie and pretend that this is all just a whole big Prince reference, and that's the only reason why I care about Minnesota, but it's, it sadly isn't. Uh, no, I mean, the Timberwolves look like they've got the best lineup that they've had in years. And uh, before I continue, I just, uh, you know, Kat had that interview about uh, COVID-19 mm-hmm. and how uh, it wasn't just his mom who passed away, but he had uh, seven, I believe, in total relatives or family members that passed away or something, some number like that. And I just, you know, want to send, you know, my condolences and um, my best wishes because, I mean, 2020 has been rough for a lot of people. But out of the people that I, I've heard of and know and could put like a face on and a name to, Cats had one of the worst. And that's like a terrible thing that, that everyone, like anyone going through it, I don't even know like how, how, the, how they could. And 
I, I just I hope he's going to do all right. Um, getting back to to the game, though, um, the Timberwolves possibly have a very, very bright future if Anthony Edwards fares out, if Rubio fares out, because when he's hot, he's hot. When he's not, he's a great liability. We still haven't had a really good chance to see D'Angelo Russell as a Timberwolf. It's it's a pretty, pretty good lineup, and I'd like to think that finally they would be a contender sans Butler. And we get to see RHJ again. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's true, and he's he's a Timberwolf now, and I feel like his trajectory is also looking really good, so maybe he's going to shine even more on the Timberwolves. So, uh, But I feel like they <laughs> might have a pretty good year. They might have a decent year. It's a tough West, but they might do better than they have for the last couple of years. I, you know, I, I can't fault you for choosing, for choosing the Wolves. Maybe you just, you know, in my eyes, maybe you just chose the wrong time that the, the Raptors faced the Wolves. They actually faced the Wolves five days later on the back end of a back-to-back, uh, with, sure. which starts with a trip to Milwaukee. So, you know, maybe it doesn't happen on Valentine's Day, but it more than likely could happen February 19th when the Raptors are, are bruised from a, a, a a trip the night before to the Bucks. I don't know, but um, here's hoping your T Wolves get one. Um, but really, I don't really hope that. <laughs> one in um, seventy one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and then the final game. I mean, this is the the last one, but I, I'd like to think it's the, the the one that I'm at least looking forward to is uh, February twenty first, a home game against Philadelphia. Now I realize Dre already mentioned Philadelphia, so why the heck would I mention it again? That's because this is a home game against Philadelphia. And why is that important? Because this is when I think, I would like to think, Danny Green finally gets his championship ring. <laughs> I, I thought it was, I was kind of looking forward to this part of the schedule because I'm thinking, can you imagine if the NBA scheduled Philly to face LA Lakers first and he gets that ring first before the Raptors ring? That would just be hilarious. But that would be. The, the NBA, I guess, uh, made sure that wasn't going to be the case. The uh, the Raptors will be facing off against a team that you know Dre already pointed out you know is is kind of on the rise after a very disappointing last season. Um, I already made mention about the Embiid and and Baines battle that could could happen there, but really I just I like I want to look forward to this game really for what happens before the tip off and I, I'd like to see Danny Green get his ring he deserves it he was a fan favorite here he continues to say nice things about Toronto. And uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that game. And, and that's, I guess, a, you know, no pun intended. That's a wrap on the <laughs> schedule and what we what we like. You know, let us know what you guys think. Let us know what games you're looking out for. We didn't even mention the Miami Heat. We didn't talk about the Indiana Pacers and, and Nate Bjorkgren facing off his old team. Like there's so many nice games here to like that, you know, we want to hear from you. So let us know. Um, and hit us up on Twitter at That's a Rap Pod and, and let us know what, what games you're looking out for. Yes, sir. 100%. And Jay, do you think that the ring is in... Did they bring it to Tampa, you think? I Can you so. imagine if he's still not going to get it? <laughs> oh, man, I, I knew I forgot to pack something. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, gee, did you forget the bag? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> Can you imagine? It's like, Danny, just wherever you're gonna be next year, just just come by Toronto. We'll have it for you at the OVO Center. Don't worry about it. By the time he gets all of his rings, except for the one, he's gonna be like Thanos, being like, "Yes, it's finally complete. My gauntlet." Ah. Like- yeah, 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 yeah. He was searching for the Toronto Raptors ring all along. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, Jay, thank you so much for for breaking down that schedule for us. Yes, as as he said, make sure to let us know who you guys want to watch uh, and who you hope that the Raptors are going to uh, beat up against. You know, to me, I think, honestly, I want to watch uh, the the Washington Eastbrook uh, <laughs> right there, too. And until then, Dre, where can we find you, brother? You can find me on Twitter at Andreas Babs. You can follow my film editorial and review website, Film Fatale, F-I-L-M-S, F-A-T-L-E.com, no spaces. My top 100 films of the 1960s is coming out Monday, uh, when is that? Monday the 7th. So I've basically finished most of the research. This is honestly my favorite list. And I'm not just doing that to hype it up. I'll nice. tell you the truth later on with the other lists. This is the best one. And the 60s is the greatest period in film history. Please check it out. You'll see 100 dope movies. Jay, where can we find you? Yeah, definitely check out that list. Uh, the, the amount of work you put in that is just truly mind-boggling to me um you can find me on twitter at rosalasaurus uh find my writing and this podcast on raptors hq earlier this week uh, i put together a list off the heels off of my uh my my bucks slander in last week's pod that that jason was referencing uh we i put together a uh, kind of a primer on the raptors season and how it's not looking that bad and how they stack up against the other eastern conference rivals and so check that out on Raptors HQ. As for next week on Raptors HQ, we are going to be doing our player previews heading into the season. And I've got Alex Len. So look out for that next week. Awesome. And like I said before, find us up uh, on Twitter at That's Rap Pod. You can find us on Instagram, That's Rap Podcast. You can find me on Quillet.io if you want me to work on any of your podcasts. But until then, December 23rd, New Orleans. Book that thing. That's a wrap.